Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dan Gobi Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC has got a massive pay-per-view this weekend, UFC 276, headlined by a pair of title fights. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3. We got Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. We'll be talking about both of those fights and breaking down all kinds of other goodness on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat. Plus, we'll be doing two interviews with fighters who've got fights coming up. I'll be talking to Gabe Green, who fights Ian Gary this upcoming weekend, but that's at the end of the show. Kicking off the show is actually, we're going away from UFC 276 a little bit. I'm talking to Ozzy Diaz, who is going to be the headliner on the first Contender Series fight. That's right, Contender Series right around the corner for this season. So you'll get all that great content in just a moment. But before you do, I have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Betting Man Vegas. Betting Man Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there each and every week, there's a UFC card. I'm going to be giving you my bonus fight pick, but you can only find it on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Ozzy Diaz, who fights Joseph Piper at Contender Series Week 1, 2022, July 26. So, Ozzy, let's start here. When you won the LFA title back in March, a lot of LFA champions get chances just like this. Did you assume the opportunity was going to come up for you? Um, no, I didn't assume right away, but um, I, I personally like to take my fights as they come, and... Um, I mean, I knew, you know, holding the LFA belt would give me great opportunities, and uh, I just didn't think it was going to come this fast, but it's here now, you know? Absolutely, and, and out of curiosity, you know, when you get the call from your management or whoever did make the call to offer you the fight on Contender Series, what were your emotions like? What did it feel like to know that you were now this close to a goal like this? Man, you know, it's crazy. I literally, um, you know, they put the bill on me. I did the interview um, inside the cage. I walked out. You know how the doctors check you out? Um, during the doctors checking me after the fight, I, my, my manager actually called me. And right then and there, I found the news. So I had my emotions from winning the bill and then the opportunity right away. So I, it was just, I was so happy and blessed, you know, thank God for all the opportunities, you know. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, too, because this is something that you've been working a long time for. I know you're only 31 years old, but you've been fighting as an at least as an amateur for 12 years now, right? That you, you got into this as a teenager. What is it like, you know, having traveled that much time and now finally getting to view it? You know, um, I think it took as long as it had to take. Um, I knew I knew this opportunity would come. I was just being patient and, you know, sticking with the script. Um, 
Yeah, man, it's, it's excited. I feel like it took as long as it had to take, but I also I'm also grateful that it's happening now because if it would have happened like five years ago, even two years ago, I don't think mentally I would have been ready for it. And everything I've been through in my life over the past two years, and then training wise, I just feel like everything where I'm at in my life, I'm finally in the right place, right time. Everything that has happened, I just really truly feel I'm meant to be right where I'm at. Well, that's great to hear. Now, I got to ask you, you said you always felt like this is where you would be and you, you always felt like this had happened for you. Is, is this something that you thought was going to happen for you even back when you were a teenager, even back when you began fighting? Um, yes, actually, I've, I've always wanted to challenge myself. And, and like I said, yes, I, I knew this was going to happen. I just, you know, took my time with it. You know, stuff happened in life and in fighting and, you know, everything was training me. Everything was guiding me and preparing me for this step, this step right here that's coming up. And I feel more than ready mentally, physically for this, for this next step in my life. That's awesome to hear. Now, I'm wondering if you, you could share a little insight with us. If you felt like, you know, you were, uh, you know, everything was sort of guiding you towards this point and this was always kind of your destiny. What got you into fighting? What what made you decide this is the thing I want to do? I want to go throw hands with guys in cages. You know, I first started my my brother, my older brother actually started training um, before I ever did. And um, you know, long story short, one day he just told me, "Hey, go go train with me," and and I did. And I just like I I met my best friend that first day, and um, we were training, and he was like, "Man, you're so good. How long you been doing it?" He assumed I did it for like two, three years, and I was like, "No, it's actually my first day training," you know. And he didn't believe me, but um, yeah, you know, it wasn't until I had my first loss as an amateur fighter that I didn't like that feeling, so. I had to. I knew I had to fix things, so that's when I started taking it a little bit more serious. And um, you know, now I'm just too deep, man. And like, I knew I fell in love with it, but now I have an understanding of it. Now I I understand that I am a martial artist, and I love being a martial artist, not necessarily a fighter, but a martial artist. A martial artist. I love that. I love that mentality. Now I, I want to ask you too about having the coaches you do, and I'm I'm sure that that lends to its mentality as well, because. You know, I, I know you train with Chad George. I know you train with Josh Barnett. What, what is it like having those two guys sort of guide your journey and guide you to being a martial artist that can fight at this level? Well, man, um, Chad George, you know, shout out to Chad George. He he is an amazing, not only coach, but amazing human being. Like, he truly cares for all his athletes. Like, he really wants them to succeed. And, like, you know, Chad, what I love about Chad is that he, he's in there with us. He's in the trenches. Like, he's grinding day in and day out with us and he's you know pretty much through his mistakes and and his career through his experiences he's helping us not make those same um mistakes or like have the same you know lifestyle that that he had and um you know josh barnett he's a legend like how can you not be you know grateful to have him just in the same room you know what i mean um having someone like josh who's been a ufc champion and you know the the record that he has. Oh man, I'm just I'm just blessed to have great people around me. Absolutely. Now I got to ask you a question personally about your style of fighting too, because you know Chad George, a guy filthy at jujitsu. You know Josh Barnett, a catch wrestling legend, right? Catch wrestling legend. But I, I see you out here knocking people out with jabs and throwing your hands as much <laughs> as possible. How how does that work? <laughs> Man, I, I started working with Chad, and, like, when I first started working with Chad, I used to, like, 
I was always the biggest guy before I ever started working with Chad or came in to CMMA, and then I met other beer guys, and then so I was actually used to sparring like five foot eight guys, five foot nine, and um, I was fighting like a small person, and he was the one who always told me like, man, you have to fight long, like you have an amazing, like you have a crazy reach, so you gotta use it. He made me jab for a long time. The first few months that I worked with Chad, like he just made me jab so much, and then um, I started working with um. Coach Jose, who is my, my striking coach, and he's just, he's an amazing boxer, and he's just fixing my hands, you know? And then the catch wrestling, I have grappling, you know what I mean? It's just, I never get to use it because these guys just go down, you know? And, like, I never prepare for a knockout. They just happen, brother. They just happen, <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean? I, I can't, I, I don't know, brother. I just, they just happen. Well, I, I, I love that it's just happening and you can't put words to it. But I got to ask you then, too, is, is showing off your grappling something that you, you'd like to do more of? Or is it, it one of those things of like, hey, if I don't have to touch it, I don't I won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I if I don't have to use it, I won't. Um, but it's there. And like when people try to grapple me, they, they will see like that I am dangerous everywhere. You know what I mean? And if you really go back to my record, I also I have some mission finishes, you know. And that goes to show you, like, I'm I'm just dangerous everywhere, man. I, like I said, I'm a martial artist. I'm not just a striker. I, I'm i prepared for everything. Literally, we, we train at CMMA, and we're ready for anything. Well, let's talk about what you got to be ready for, because on July 26th, you're going to be fighting Joseph Pfeiffer. He's a guy who's been on the Contender Series before. He kind of had a weird TKO loss where he broke his arm when he fell down. What have you seen from him, and, and what do you kind of think about him as an opponent as you, you go to try to make this big step in your career? You know, like, I'm pretty sure, he you know, he deserves to be there. Like, um, I, I I respect all my opponents. Um, I just, you know, the challenge in itself, like, it's, um you know, like, I know he deserves to be. I'm pretty sure he's, he's not there for, for no reason. They're not just throwing somebody at me, you know. I know he's good. I personally don't watch my opponents um, fight, so I haven't really watched any of um, Joe Piper's Joe Piper's fight. Uh, I go based on my coaches. I trust my coaches a hundred percent, and if they tell me during training, oh, you know, we're looking for this. This is what he likes, or we're we're bringing this style of fight to this fight. Um, all my all my um, trust is my coaches, and there's no need for me to go in there and like study my my opponents when they've already done it for me. I love it. I love it. Now, give me your prediction. How does this one end on July 26th? <laughs> you know, I'm preparing for a, a, a hell of a war. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just, regardless, I'm getting my hand raised. Just my prediction, I'm getting my hand raised, whether it be one-minute fight, two-minute fight, two rounds, or 15 minutes. Shit, it could be 25 minutes. I don't care. My hand gets raised no matter what. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Ozzy Diaz, who fights Joseph Pfeiffer at Contender Series Week 1, that fight on July 26th. Ozzy, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, my man. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Ozzy Diaz. I once again am Daniel Gumby Freeman, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we obviously have got a big card coming up this weekend, UFC 276. But before we get to that, i got to ask you about one of the big winners of this past weekend. Shavkat Rachmanov goes in and absolutely sauces Neil Magny. But here's my question for you. He's now four fights into his UFC career, 4-0, four finishes, a lot like another Eastern European lad in the welterweight division who made big waves. 
Does it feel like Rachmanov is kind of getting the raw deal here and not getting the same kind of hype as Kamzat did? Yeah, I think there's something to that. You know, I think Kamzat also um, benefited from the quick turnaround fights. Like, that really got him on the map. Because we're in his first two fights, like, three weeks apart or something I think it, like that. I think that. it was a, a week and a half. I think it was ten days or some <laughs> shit like that. Like, because right. it, it was on Fight Island. Yeah. So, yeah, he benefited from that. And it was like kind of a very slower sort of news cycle. It was like the start of the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. But here we are. And Shavkat is 4-0. And he's been active, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's fought four times in under two years. So, you know, maybe if he fights one more time this year, uh, he'll have three fights in 2022. But he's here now. I mean, that's a great win over Magny and two performance of the nights in a row. And also, Magny's such a perfect stepping stone because every UFC fan knows Magny. You know, even a casual fan. He's just been around forever, and he's a tough guy. He's tough to finish. Well, he got finished. So, uh, you know, th- it's a great comparison, Gumby. I'd be interested to see, you know, where their two careers go from here because Kamzat has certainly benefited from the hype train more up to this point. But now I think we're in a new territory for, for Shavkat and the sky's the limit. I, I agree. I actually think the, the prospect status of Shavkat is more intriguing to me. And, and you know, you mentioned he, he's got that hype of having beaten a guy that everybody knows in Neil Magny. The, the weird thing for me is Kamzat didn't have that, right? Like his big win came over Lee Jingliang. And of course, he's gone on to beat Gilbert Burns since then. And that, that's a whole different animal. But in those first four fights... He had tons of hype after the, the Lee Jingliang fight, a, a guy not a lot of people know about or, you know, not a lot of casual fans know about. So, like, it, it's almost weird to me that, like, a win over Lee Jingliang, a guy who's notoriously bad at grappling and gets subbed and stuff like that, hyped him up more than beating Neil Magny, a guy who's notoriously hard to finish. So, uh, yeah, uh, but but your point is, is yeah, the, the the turnaround, I think, was the biggest piece. There was turnaround. No, you're bringing up good points too. Like the turnaround, and then also he had the record for, uh, or he had a where is it? I'm actually pulling it up. Uh, the 17 second win. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. A 17 second win. And I think so, he had one know, for in in less. Was was that the Gerald Mearshart one? That was Mearshart. Yeah. 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 So you're right. The the speed, the quick turnarounds. I think you're right. Those things play into the hype more. And, and right, and there was KOs, and we all know there's a submission bias. That. But I'll tell you what we do like, and it's our favorite segment on the show. It's Spikes, Dogs, and Parlays for a pretty loaded, albeit somewhat underwhelming co-main event, and we're co- the two main events, the co-main events, and we'll get into that. Uh, let's do Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, Parlays, Gumby. But first, let's hear if anyone sponsors it. <laughs> Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by MMA Play 365. MMA Play 365. Play 365 is a betting service out here trying to help the public make money on UFC and MMA in general. For one super low fee, you get access to their professional handicapper with a six-year winning record. He gives you full breakdowns, parlays, and his official bets. But that's not all. For the same great price, you get access to their brand new base AI prediction software, which uses advanced algorithms to give you percentages for every possible outcome on every possible UFC fight. They've got packages of all length and sizes to fit your needs, including a daily fantasy one, if that's your gig. So go check them out at MMAplay365.com. Don't forget to use promo code TOPTURTLE for 10% off their annual package, which is already so affordable to begin with. It's a deal you can't afford to pass up. That's MMAplay365. I like that they have packages of all lengths and sizes. All right, let's get to this, because <laughs> this is very exciting. Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway are going to rematch. 
it's one of the rare trilogies where one fighter has won the first two, but here we are in a trilogy, and they were very close fights for the most part. Certainly the second one was closer. Um, Volkanovski won both fights, and uh, the last time they matched up back in 2020, it was a split decision win for Volkanovski. Some people decried that it should have been Max's fight, and, you know, I do give the UFC credit. They had both of them separate for a bit, but they just can't quit each other, and we're back now for probably another five rounds. Um, but let's talk about what they've done since that rematch. Uh, so Volkanovski beat Brian Ortega via unanimous decision, was in a very tight guillotine, was able to slip out of it, but other than that, very dominant performance for him when not in the guillotine. Chan Sung Jung, he TKO'd back in April of this year, so relatively quick turnaround for him. And then Holloway, since the double losses, has beaten Calvin Cater via unanimous decision and beat Yair Rodriguez via unanimous decision. Both those fights were fight of the nights. He comes in here as the plus-155 dog, Volkanovski almost a 2-1, to one, the minus-190 favorite. Who you got? Uh, first of all, I'm just going to say, I'm kind of surprised by these odds. I thought they'd be closer than this. Um, you know, like I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm going to pick Volkanovski here. Um, because while people complained about the second decision, I, I had Volkanovski winning those two fights and, and fairly clearly in my mind, he just looks like he lands with more power. He lands with more consistency. Uh, he, he mixes in the grappling and the clinch work better than, than Holloway here. And I, I just don't see what, you know, don't get me wrong. Holloway is out there beating good guys every single time. But I don't see some sort of big progression in his game that now makes me think like, oh, Max Holloway has figured this piece out or that piece out or is going to be good at this thing or going to be good at that thing that he wasn't the first time. I, I see this fight going largely the same. And I'll also say this. I believe Alexander Volkanovsky is the best fighter in the world when it comes to game planning and adjustments. Uh, I mean, like you saw him go from fighting Chad Mendez to go fighting Jose Aldo, two fighters who are largely different. And he basically morphed himself into a different fighter fight to fight. So I really do believe that he is going to come out there with the right game plan to beat Max Holloway. I'm going Volkanovski again here. I can't fault the pick. I also like what you said, though, which is, you know, Max was very close in the last one. It is Max Holloway. These guys are pretty evenly matched for the most part. I get that Volkanovski probably lands more um, and has the better defense uh, in what will likely be a fight that's contested for five rounds on the feet, seeing who can outpoint one another. But I like Max's odds. That being said, head-to-head, yeah, I just go with Volkanovski again. I have more of a problem with the fact that here we are. This is the main event. We've already seen this for 10 rounds. I'm underwhelmed by it as a selling point. I could have gotten away with this as the co-main event to something way more exciting. But, you know, it is what it is. So let's move on to what the actual co-main event is. As Israel Adesanya defending his middleweight title, going for his fifth title defense so making waves uh or trying to make strides to the record demetrius johnson of course holds it uh, defending the flyweight title a bazillion times i believe anderson silva was nine gsp might have been eight i'll have the intern look that up in a second and this seems like one of those fights where it's just okay can i adesanya kind of start you know making inroads to history here because he is a minus 400 favorite to jared cannonier the plus 325 dog Cannoneer started in the UFC as a heavyweight, worked his way down to light heavyweight, finally settling settling at middleweight back in 2018. And since coming to middleweight, he is 
five and one. Um, his only loss being unanimous decision loss to Robert Whitaker back in 2020. But since that time, he came back with a unanimous decision win over Calvin Gastelum and KO Derek Brunson in a performance of the night back in February of this year to earn the title shot. I assume you're going with Ida Sonia. Let's hear about path to victory for the former heavyweight now going for a middleweight title on Jared Cannonier. I think cannonier has got to use his muscle and get in on the inside. Um, which is easier said than done on, on Israel Adesanya. You know, I think everybody who's drawing a game plan to beat Israel Adesanya at any point in time, it goes through the grappling department, right? Like, it, you're not going to stand and strike with Israel Adesanya for 25 minutes and live to tell the tale. Um, so, like, I, I think that, you know, this is a, a way that Jared Cannonier could win. I'd say, you know, like, what he did to Derek Brunson gives me, you know, a faint amount of hope. Maybe not enough to lay on him, despite the fact he's plus 325. But, you know, like, we saw in the loss to Whitaker, like, there are holes in his striking defense, and there are holes in what he's doing on the feet. And, you know, Israel Adesanya, a next-level striker, and as I mentioned before, like, just too good at defending the takedown, I think. I I think people really sleep on a takedown defense. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya all day. I I think this is a a closer fight, maybe, than plus 325, but, like, I'm I'm still not, you know, enthused to bet here on, on Jared Cannon here. You know, I think the book is out on Ida Sanya because we saw it when he came up in weight um, against Jan Blankovic. And you really have to be the guy who in the later rounds is able to take him down, hold him down at will. And I don't feel like Cannoneer is that guy. Do you think Cannoneer is that guy? No, probably not. But uh, here's the, here's why I'm saying, and maybe I was, I was sounding a little misleading because I said, you know, I'm, I'm not tempted to lay on him at plus 325. But I do think he's being underrated a little bit. I think maybe the reason I think that is because, like, his odds are steeper than, like, Marvin Vittori or Paulo Costa. And I think he's more of that guy than Marvin Vittori or Paulo Costa. Uh, Mm. But, like, so his odds are somehow worse. But I think he's more likely to be a guy who could do that. So, again, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not enthused at plus 325, but I still think people are maybe underrating what he can do. Well, I'll tell you what I'm enthused about, and this is actually the banger fight of the night for me, the one with the most title and future title implications, and I love that it's on the same card as the actual middleweight title being defended. Alex Ferreria, the kickboxing ace, has looked very impressive in the UFC. He's a minus-120 favorite uh, going against Sean Strickland, who's betting off right now at plus-100. Razor-thin odds. Alex Pereira, of course, has beaten Israel Adesanya in kickboxing. Adesanya, I actually saw some quotes. He's hyping the future Pereira fight better than he is the Cannoneer fight um, and probably looking past his actual title challenger on Saturday. Clearly, the UFC wants to replay that footage um, of Adesanya getting knocked out. It's going to go great on a... <clears throat> on a promo, it's going to look great on a poster. That's the fight they want against Alex Pereira, um, who is 2-0 in the UFC. One win via TKO with a flying knee and punches, and then coming off a unanimous decision win over Bruno Silva, where he did show off some improved wrestling takedown defense. Still a work in progress, though. Now, that being said, we all know the UFC wants Pereira and Adesanya to fight based on the history. Who's standing in the way? Oh, I don't know. Just Sean Strickland, who's on a Six-fight win streak, um, beaten the likes of Nordin Talib, Jack Marshman, Brandon Allen, Christoph Jaco, Uriah Hall, 
and coming off a split decision win over Jack Hermanson and finds himself right now at a plus 100 and potentially in the title picture. And this is something I never thought was possible, you know, when he was uh, losing to Elias Zaleski dos Santos back in uh, May of 2018. But he has really turned his career around, and this is a very interesting matchup. Who you got? I'm going to go with Pereira here. Um, part of what I don't like about Strickland is, is like, he has moments of passivity in, in his fighting. Like, he, he just, even, you know, like, obviously the, the Jack Hermanson fight was really bad in terms of how passive he was and how he just was like, I'm going to throw 16 jabs today, and he's going to throw less than 16 jabs, and I'm cool with winning that fight. Um, so, like, I, I, that that fight aside, in other fights, you'll find moments where he's just like, a little bit willing to just like let the fight come to him, uh, and, and I really think that's a nightmare for for fighting a guy like Pereira. I also think in the way that he turns up the pressure when he chooses to, like when when he did was it a Brendan Allen fight if I'm remembering correctly, um, when he just like pushed forward and attacked Brendan Allen that way, like I think that that's a terrible way to go about beating Pereira, right? Like you know jab jab come forward with the one two. Like, you're just going to get countered by a high-level kickboxer, right? Like, he needs to make this, like, gritty, dirty, up-against-the-cage, like, mix-in takedowns. And, like, I don't think that's Strickland. Um, and, and I get that he's, like, more proven. We have seen a little bit of a wrestling game out of him. I just don't know that he's going to have the wrestling setups. And knowing that Pereira is working with Glover Teixeira and probably has all the takedown defense practice he needs leading into this fight... I think he's going to torch Strickland on the feet here. So uh, I, I actually like the negative 120 number, too. I, I think that's very enticing. I like it. Good breakdown. I tend to agree with you on everything you said, so we'll move on. Our dog of the week is Gabe Green, a plus 140. Let's hear it. So, yeah, he's fighting Ian Gary, and I think, really, this price is only there because of the Irish hype behind Ian Gary. You know, like people are billing him as the uh, more polite Conor McGregor or whatever, and, like, don't get me wrong, I, I do think the kid's good and got a lot of promise, but I also saw him get lit up on the feet a little bit by Jordan Williams uh, before he lands that knockout, and obviously the knockout's great, but like he got hit a little bit by Jordan Williams, a guy who I think went 0-3 or 0-4 in the UFC before getting released, and Gabe Green's a beast. Like Gabe Green's 2-1 in the UFC. His only loss came to Daniel Rodriguez, and it came on like four days' notice or something. He's out there putting in great striking performances. He hits like a truck. Ian Gary can't make defensive mistakes against Gabe Green because he's just going to blast him. I love Gabe Green here at plus 140, and I think you're only getting the plus number here like that because of the name of Ian Gary. So, yeah, use that name to your advantage. Let's talk about a parlay to play. Andre Muniz, a minus 275. Jim Miller, a minus 210. Okay, two, you know, very strong favorites, two to one. Pair them together, though. It does get you plus 101. Break it down. Yeah, I love Andre Muniz here. I I, just, I can't imagine picking Uriah Hall to beat this guy because, man, has Muniz looked like an absolute beast in the cage? And, like, what's the way to beat Uriah Hall? Don't strike with him. Take him to the ground. Muniz loves taking people to the ground. Dude broke Jacare's arm. Like, enough said, right? Like, he's an animal on the mat. I think he goes down and he submits Uriah Hall pretty easily here. And then Jim Miller, like, he's fighting Cowboy Cerrone. First of all, Cowboy Cerrone coming in on short notice. Uh, having to go through dieting, you know, two weeks after he went through dieting for that fight with Joe Lozon that fell through. Uh, you know, he's looked 
you know, there, there's no easy way to say this. He's looked awful his last four or five fights. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He was just busy filming some uh, some crazy movie uh, with Gina Carano recently. Like, so, like, we know his training's been interrupted. And we also know that, like, Jim Miller continues to look better and better. He's got the goal of fighting until he gets to UFC 300. He looked phenomenal some of his last times out. So, yeah, I still have a lot of faith in what Jim Miller can do at this age as far as takedowns and submission skills and even to some extent boxing, whereas I have little faith in Donald Cerrone anymore. So at negative 210, I think you're getting a steal there and pair them together and get plus money. That is the play. Boom. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. You can reach us at Top Turtle MMA on our social medias. The Twitter, the Instagram. Gumby, this show is just a moving along, rifling through it, barreling down the tracks. Where do we go next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with the aforementioned Gabe Green, who fights Ian Gary at UFC 276. And we're going to get to that interview right after we mention that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Gabe Green. All right, and joining me today is Gabe Green, who fights Ian Gary at UFC 276 this Saturday, July 2nd. So, Gabe, I, I wanted to start here. You know, your, your last fight against Yoan Lainez... It took you 14 months out of the cage. You get back in there. You look phenomenal. But I wanted to know, did you feel like yourself? Did you feel 100% after being away for so long? Um, Yeah, man. I'm, I'm get, I think I'm just getting really comfortable with the whole UFC experience now. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be even more comfortable going into this one against me and Gary. Um, yeah, man, I just feel like I, 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 that's like, that's my home and it's, it's, it's where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, I feel even more like myself than I, than I did last time, probably. Well, that's great to hear. Now you're saying you're now feeling like the UFC is your home and, and of course you're now on a two fight winning streak. You've looked phenomenal in the last two and you look good in your debut against Daniel Rodriguez for that matter. Was there a time where you felt like, you know, like either, you know, like imposter syndrome or like you didn't belong in the UFC? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. It's just, um, you know, the first fight was uh, four days notice and I like hadn't even been training. Um, I, I hadn't even trained for like two years, really, when I fought D-Rod. Um, so that one, that whole thing was just like a weird fight. I was, uh, I never even got to really... Uh, like just take it in or anything because I was running around doing medicals and this and that and all kinds of stuff. So that whole experience was just kind of like weird and foreign. And just to go from, um, you know, like the local scene to, to the big leagues, that's the UFC, you know, with their production value and kind of everything. Um, it was just a weird experience to transition when um, I hadn't even, yeah, like I said, I hadn't even trained in, in like two years uh, to go from, like literally off the couch to all of a sudden I'm fighting in the UFC. It was just, it was really like almost surreal. It didn't really like hit me. Um, but then, you know, I spent 15 minutes in the cage with D-Rod. And then um, when I walked out against Roe, I felt so much more comfortable than the first time I, uh, 
I fought against D-Rod. And then when I went against Johan, even more comfortable. I was just like, yeah, you know what? Like, this is this is my house, you know? It's hard to explain, but, you know, it's just, it's, I'm just comfortable in there now. Well, I'd love to hear it. Now, you, you mentioned in there being comfortable from, like, the standpoint of the production and the big show and the big crowds. And this one will have a big crowd as well. But I'm also questioning, you know, like, you, you haven't had, like, two really good training camps back-to-back, right? Like you said, for the D-Rod fight, pretty much no training camp. You back that up with Phil Rowe, which might have been a little bit more normal of one. But then a year and a half away, or a year, two months away, rather, now you're getting to put two in a row. How do you feel physically going into this one with two good training camps right in a row? Oh, no, yeah, I definitely feel great. Um, back when I was on the regional scene, I was fighting every other month. I would just go, I'd go fight camp into fight camp into fight camp, you know, getting like five or six fights a, a year. So, I mean, that's, I pretty much live in the gym for the most part. And the only time I have to, I'm not in the gym is if like something happened, injury happens and I have to, like, I'm forced to take a break. Um, so yeah, I, I'm feeling really, uh, really good, really great about, you know, my physical, mental, everything. I'm, um, even more on point than I was on my, for my last fight. So if you thought I looked good against, um, Johan, you're about to be even more impressed when I go fight with Gary. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about Ian Gary because he's a guy who's got a fair amount of hype behind him. He, he's only had a couple of fights in the UFC, but obviously, you know, having the Irish fan base behind him and, you know, he's, he's maybe not the trash talker that we're, we're typically see with Irish MMA fans, but he's he's got a, a personality that seems to have garnered quite a few views. What do you sort of think about the hype that you, you've gotten to see him accumulate and now probably get to try to steal? I mean that that's that's the thing. Um, I'm really happy he has a giant following. That's cool. It's great for him. That means more eyes on me when I go when I go fight him, you know, and beat him. So I'm all for it. You know, um, I think I think he's a pretty pretty solid fighter. You know, he's, he's pretty good, but um, I just I don't think he's ready for for me. I think he might even be. Uh, hopefully he's not because I want I want to fight the best Ian Gary that. Ian Gary can bring, you know. Hopefully he's not uh what's the word, just um looking past me or something. Hopefully he was training really hard and ready to fight me because um he shouldn't be overlooking me, that's for sure. Well, we a hundred percent agree about that. Now you you mentioned that he's pretty good all around, but he does seem to be loving throwing the hand since he's gotten into UFC. He's like to box it up most of the time. Is that something that you think you you can match him with, and that's something where you plan on keeping this fight? Or I mean, I know you recently got your brown belt as well. Is is this a fight you see you can take to the ground and win there as well? Uh, I mean, I think I'm better than him on the feet. I think I'm better than him on the ground. I, I, I think I'm better than him everywhere. Uh, I of course don't get me wrong. I love jujitsu, but I feel like what people really really want to see is knockouts. So. I, I want to keep it standing. And if he's down to keep it standing, I a hundred percent will, you know, meet him in that phone booth and just let him, let him go. Give the people what they want. <laughs> I love it. Now I got to ask you then because I, I'm a big jujitsu nerd myself and I, I like jujitsu better than I like the striking, but I am definitely in the minority when it comes to watching fights on that. 
That that's something you think about. You you prefer to do jujitsu. You prefer to do all that, but it's more of a a fan friendly style. The box is is that mostly? Did I capture that there? No, I mean um I I I love them pretty. I, I they're pretty pretty equal. Um you know like I I I love doing. I love doing both. I think that having someone fall asleep in your arms is just as, uh, you know, like it's you just a feeling that, you know, when someone stops fighting and they stop struggling and they like go limp, it's, it's, it's just as beautiful a feeling to have that happen as them, you know, you touch them and then they fall down and then it's lights out. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of both a hundred percent, but, um, yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, for the most part, the the crowd does want to see knockouts, so I'm going out there and trying to be toe to toe. I mean, it's 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 a uh, having the grappling pedigree that I got is is cool, and it's a uh, it's something I can always fall back on. But strike, I, I'm gonna stick to striking first. I think for the most part, because trying to be an entertainer and um, you know keep those people in their seats. Well, and there are going to be a lot of people in their seats for this one, too, because this is a, a big stadium pay-per-view. So I was wondering, too, if I could get your take on that. What is it like? I, I mean, I know you got to be on the Usman uh, Burns card as well, but what's it like knowing that you're going to be out there with a big crowd full of fans yet again? Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. I think I fight better when there's a crowd. I'm just um, – I love, I love being in there and just feeling all the energy. It's like – you know that term of it, like being electric, and it's it's so true. You can you can feel it. You know, you just feel it in the air, and um, I I I love it a hundred percent. I love walking out and just having people, you know, all the cheering and all that stuff. And I just I just take it all in. I think I'm a I'm a better fighter when people are watching. I love it. Now you said you're a better fighter. You said you're looking to keep this one standing. So give us a prediction. How do you see this one ending with Ian Gary on July second? Um, yeah, I mean, as long as I, if he keeps it standing, I'll definitely plan on keeping it standing. Uh, so if he does get choked out or something, it's going to be because, um, I hit him a little too much and he dives for a takedown and tries to become a wrestler. But, uh, I, I don't see it going into the third. I, I might finish him in the first, I might finish him in the second, but I don't see it going to the third. If it does go to the third, I'm going to finish him in the third regardless. But yeah, forget a decision. Some, yeah, it's it, it's gonna end somehow. All right. Well, I love that prediction. Now, before I let you go, I do gotta ask. You know, th- this win would be a huge one for you. Not just in that you you know sort of take the Ian Gary hype, but this will be three wins in a row in pretty much every fight that you've had like a real training camp for, or at least something resembling a real training camp for. Three and zero in the welterweight division puts you up against some probably pretty big names here. Have you thought about what's next if you do get past Ian Gary here? Or is, you know, obviously the attention being on Ian Gary, you don't want to look past him. But is it something you've thought about? Um, I mean, I haven't really thought about it much. Uh, Ian Gary's the person who's in front of me. So, I mean, that's the one I want to get. Um, you know, go ahead and get that dub and then then think about what's happening next. I know for sure just that 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 one that's always on, like, in the back of my mind is that, rematch with D-Rod. Um, so, I mean, he actually made a post on um, Instagram and told me to get to the back of the line. And um, that's fine, you know. I'll be in the back of the line. And every time I beat someone, the line gets a little shorter because I definitely want that one. I want that one before, uh, you know, sooner than later. But, I mean, 
other than that, I mean, I actually wish him a call. Nate Diaz said he wanted to fight someone in August, September, and I don't know if I got that kind of uh, name behind me to go ahead and get that one in that, but it'd be cool to fight him, too. That'd be pretty awesome. He, uh, you know, I was a big fan of him growing up, and it'd be it'd be pretty cool to be his last fight. That'd be pretty dope. Well, we'd love to see you against either of them. But, of course, first of all, we're going to see you this upcoming weekend. Once again, fans, this is Ben. Gabe Green, who fights Ian Gary at UFC 276 this Saturday, July 2nd. Gabe, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out just to ask me some questions. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and MMA Play 365. Remember, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.